You're listening to a special episode of In the Public Eye podcast, igniting next gen for careers in risk management, where we explore all the exciting career opportunities and possibilities within the insurance industry. Here is your host, Karen Caterino. Welcome to Igniting Next Generation for Careers in Risk Management and Insurance podcast series. I'm Karen Caterino, Senior Vice President with Alliant Insurance Services, along with my co-host, Eric Seaborg, Area Vice President. Always great to be with you, Karen. Thanks. Our podcasts are focused on enlightening students and young professionals about all the exciting career possibilities in the insurance industry. With me today, I have Victoria Vasso, Assistant Vice President, Senior Underwriter with the ASCOT Group. Welcome, Victoria. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great that you're on the show. We are so excited to hear more from you about how you got started in your career in risk in insurance. Tell us a little bit about that as well as a little bit about the company you work with. I have to go back now almost half my life. So my first job in insurance was at 19. I actually had a summer internship at Advisen, which is an insurance data provider. So that was kind of my first foray into it. And then actually, while I was at college, I worked at a local Allstate agency near me and did cold calling for a couple of years. And you remained in the industry. (laughs) That's great. Despite all the hangups and people telling me to leave them alone at dinner, I decided I still wanted to go into insurance. I got my degree in psychology and Honestly, you can't do much with a BA in just psychology. You need to go on and study further. And I knew I ultimately did not want to have a career in psychology. Having had a couple of odd jobs in insurance, as well as some family in insurance, I just thought it made sense to to go down that path. I just sent my resume out to a bunch of places and decided to start my career at Marsh, New York. Victoria, great to have you on the show. And I have to comment on that psychology degree. I think that gives you a great advantage when meeting new people and assessing the best way to work with them. But let me ask, what was the attraction to the insurance industry itself for you? Initially, if I think about myself when I was my last semester in college, what was going through my head was probably all right, you're not going to go and get a master's or a PhD. So you need to apply to places. So where's the easiest entry point? In all honesty, that was probably the first thing that ran through my head. But then I had family in the industry and I thought I can do this for a couple of years. It'll be great experience. And if I want to then go back to school and and further my education, I, I can always do that. But why don't we go there, start paying off some of your student debt and see where it goes from there. And I've had an amazing career so far. Like I mentioned, I started in Marsh, New York. And after being there for about a year and a half, decided I really wanted to work abroad. I had studied abroad in my junior year of college in London and really loved it as a city. So I wanted to move there. And so I moved there in 2013 and thought, okay, I'll stay here for a couple years. And then seven years later, I found myself still there. And while I was there, I got the privilege to work for Bowering Marsh for about four and a half years, working on international casualty business, which was quite interesting. But I knew that I always wanted to come back to the States at some point. So wanted the experience of, of working on a US portfolio. And there was an opportunity that opened up at Willis in London and a couple years there before moving back to the States. So 
it's been an amazing journey so far. And then obviously made the the jump from broking to underwriting, which has been quite the experience. So Victoria, go into a little bit more detail on that. What is a, a day in the life of an underwriter in casualty insurance? What does that look like? In all honesty, a, the day-to-day in many ways is similar to what you I did as a broker, just from a different perspective. So I'm still reviewing submissions. I'm looking through quotes and the terms and conditions on those quotes. I'm I'm looking through exposure information, both current and historical, going to a company website, Googling to see what, if any, press there is about any particular insured. But the goal of doing all that is ultimately to decide if it's a risk that falls within our appetite and that we'd like to go after. Yeah, a lot of things, while the systems and and the you know viewpoint I have on an account has changed, a lot of my day-to-day hasn't. And I think in all honesty, I go back to the opportunity of working in London. I think it greatly benefited me because while I was there, I, I worked as a middleman to a middleman. And you have to triage accounts to determine, you know, which markets would be a good fit for for any particular risk as the first step in your broking process there. You do have to learn quite quickly what information each underwriter would look for. So I feel like that benefited me in a way, make the transition not as difficult. So beyond all the wonderful experience you've had, Victoria, what would you say are the skills and characteristics a person should have to grow and be successful in this industry? I I really like this question for for a lot of reasons. I want to answer it two different ways. So one, I I do think it's maybe a major misconception and in in my personal opinion, a bit of a barrier to underwriting or even the insurance industry generally to think that you have to have some sort of skill set or innate qualities in order to be successful or to get into the industry. For me, the reality is we all start at ground zero and insurance again, in my opinion, is meant to be a career and not a job. So whether you have a degree or not, you all start at the same place. Ivy League, community college or no college. We all check policies, submissions, and invoices to start painfully. So to me, this is a journey that evolves over many years. And if you want a quick win, this is definitely not going to be the right industry for you. There are, of course, some skill sets that you definitely should have. You need to be able to work hard. You need to ask questions. I know that everybody says, don't be afraid to ask a question, but really don't be afraid to ask questions in this industry because reality is we're, we're de- dealing with legally binding contracts and it could have a major effect on a, a company if we get something wrong. And I don't think in the 10 years I've spent in this industry that I've come across, I probably have come across a couple people who have been not so helpful, but 99% of the time, people are, are super helpful and kind and, and willing to sit down and walk you through a particular item. And then I think the other thing is you need to be humble because whether it's underwriting or broking, the, the knowledge for those jobs is very much learned and perfected over time on the job. I know that's two different answers to that question. And that's a great advantage of how you look at it, Victoria. I think all too often we say you have to be a math wizard or a problem solver Mm -hmm. or something, whereas there's a lot of soft skill that you just discussed that also comes into play and is is just as critical. So thanks for sharing that. How, How do you find success for someone in your position? What inspires you? What keeps you motivated? 
and what excites you about what you do each day? So it's, it probably sounds a bit cheesy because it is, <laughs> but honestly, I really do love getting that unsolicited email or text or call from a broker to just say, thank you. That does make you feel good no matter who you are. Whether you're underwriting or broking, you have to deliver bad news to a client. And especially over the past two years, it's been just feels like nonstop bad news. And so that can wear you out. But when you are able to provide a good deal that everyone is relatively happy with and that makes somebody's day a bit easier, that's when I feel you know the most satisfied. And then obviously also when you are at the end of the month and you have that celebratory cocktail to, to say, thank God that's over. <laughs> oh, certainly no arguments there. It is healthy to kick back and re-energize. So you're refreshed and ready for the next challenge. So I'm curious about how you stay on top of the trends in this business. Give the listeners some insight as to where you focus your attention. Honestly, I tend to focus on what's happening legally. And there's Mm. two websites that I use the most probably to see what's happening in terms of legal cases and how that could potentially affect insurance and for more specifically excess liability and construction excess liability, which is what I focus on. So one is judicial hellholes, which hopefully that's not a naughty word on this, but that is a great website. And it outlines certain jurisdictions and courts and et cetera that have both regulatorily and legally expanded what the definition of liability is and how that ultimately can affect the industry. And also we'll talk about little wins here and there where the definition of liability has not been expanded in a detrimental way. And then another one I go to is SDV Law, which I also think, again, has great insights about insurance legal cases. They categorize the insights dependent on the line of business you're interested in. So those are two places that I look to see what trends are happening and how they can impact the industry. And then in general, if you're stumped for something, I actually think Ermi's website has loads of free content, which is great, especially when you're new to the industry. Their insurance glossary is really helpful because we in insurance love an acronym and sometimes they get really ridiculous and confusing. So I think that's really great if you're new to the industry. Yeah, Eric and I are bookmarking them now. <laughs> Ermi is great. And thanks for mentioning that too. I think uh, even all of us that have been in this business a long time, I still go back to that website to look up mm-hmm. acronyms and definitions. So uh, that is a great one. Thank you for that. Victoria, do you have a mentor? Are you a mentor? We all talk about this a little bit more now in the business. The steep learning curve as it relates to insurance sometimes can be a barrier to people participating and or staying engaged in careers. So what have you found there? Maybe share a little bit about that. I mentioned earlier that I've kind of grown up in insurance. I have family in the industry who definitely have had an impact on some decisions that I make or getting into the industry generally. So it started there for me in terms of mentorship and career advice. And it went 
even further back than that. I had a grandfather who had an agency in California and my granny was an underwriter at places like Liberty Mutual and Chubb. And so, yeah, I was bred for it. And I don't think necessarily just on that, I don't think you should lead with it because you do want to make a name for yourself and be respected and rewarded for the hard work you put in. But I think mentors are great. And if that mentor ends up being the family or friend in the industry, there's absolutely no shame in that. And I also think it's okay to have more than one mentor. I think a lot of people think you have this one mentor and that's your mentor for life. But sometimes you'll have you know, a mentor that's maybe your age who you commensurate about things that being a young professional in the industry, the frustrations or the challenges that you face and have you come across that and what did you do? And then other times it's going to be somebody with much more experience that you can maybe lean on to, to guide you when maybe you're thinking of making a career change or you've been asked to take on some more responsibility and what are their thoughts. So I think having a mentor is great. You'll develop those relationships, I think, naturally over time. Victoria, you've done a great job articulating your career ladder, but you haven't mentioned anything about industry credentials. What's your take on additional credentials in the industry? So I personally don't have any of those designations. The only one that I do have is Chris, which is construction specific. And I got that because I was so focused on that throughout my career. So I do think if you have something that you're specifically interested in, it makes a lot of sense to take one of these kind of specialty certifications and go for it. And I think you will find that there's a lot of support within most industries, if not all, to go ahead and go down that path. I think they can be helpful, but have I found it's personally a requirement to be good at the job? No, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. And I think they are great to have and can only benefit you. You know, I'm having so much fun listening to you, Victoria, talk about your career because it really matches my perspective on how to discover the right path. I've always felt you should get in with a good company and learn as much as you can. And don't just focus on your job, but learn about different occupations because you never know what you might like. Yeah, I would say that. I I think that's a good point. The great part about insurance is there are so many different types of careers you could have. You could start in casualty and end up in terrorism. Or when I first moved over to Willis, actually, while I was in London, I did a six-month stint in U.S. property. And that was more than enough for me to realize I didn't enjoy it, but it was still (laughs) a really good experience. And even in those six months, it gave me so much more insight as to the complexity of building a, a property program. In the casualty world, we like to say that property is just rate times value and make it super simple, but it, it's really not simple at all. No lines of business and insurance are. So I, I think that's what's nice is you can meander along a, a very interesting road if you want to for the 10, 20, 30, 40 years that you are in the industry. Victoria, that's a great point. And I hope what makes it exciting for next generation when they're considering careers, because as we know, they tend to like to shift careers every three to four years. I think our business is probably one of the best to keep them in insurance. It's not so much a career corporate ladder as much as I've said this before, a lattice approach. And then be able to move from broking to underwriting. If underwriting isn't passion, you can go into claims. You can go into investigation. There's just so many different facets to what we do. It seems like there would be a niche for somebody somewhere that will keep them in the industry. Yeah. And I I do think it's a very older train of thought to think you go to one place and that's it. And, And if you do, that's absolutely great. But if you go somewhere 
and the team that you're on, you're like, you know what, this has been a good experience for these two, three, four years that I've been here. But I really, I think I like that. And if you voice that, generally speaking, I found there is the opportunity to move. And if not, you can always have that cup of coffee with somebody who might have that opportunity and is willing to give it to you. And I'd say when you are looking, whether being new to the industry or moving, when you're looking at the new shop, look at what their culture is. I think that was one of the main things when I moved over to Ascot was Yes, it's a new team, but Ascot as a company has been around for actually 20 years. So there was a really nice established culture. And then what's leadership and what does that look like? And the leadership at Ascot, again, it really attracted me. One of the things that I really loved was that our chief underwriting officer is a, a young woman who has had 20 years of excess casualty experience. So that was nice to know that she understands what our team specifically goes through on a day to day and the challenges that we've faced over the past few years, just keeping all those things in mind. And it's not that traditional corporate ladder anymore. It's the lattice, like you said. I like that description of it, actually. Well, Victoria, thanks. You've just given us some great insights from your vantage that I think are just really cool. So I appreciate your time on the uh, the podcast today. And with that, Eric, uh, I'll turn it over to you to wrap it up. It was a pleasure having Victoria on the podcast today. And if you missed episodes one and two of this series, we hope you can make a point to carve out a little bit of time to go back and listen. We'd greatly appreciate that. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode. So on behalf of Karen and myself, please be kind to each other, be safe, and take care. Thank you for listening. And for more information, visit us at insurance.alliant.com forward slash in the public eye.